cut that though for this. Oh, uh, we can swear. We don't give yeah, a shit. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. I don't. I, I'm more worried about Def Jam. Yeah, 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 well, is it, is it, is it, is it Shrig Knight that's, uh... Yeah, I don't know. No, no, he was, he was part of Bad Boy. That's right, okay, yeah, I was, I, yeah, I, 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 I'm all, I'm, be, I'm cool with those guys. Okay, good, good, you'll be you know, dangling over the balcony, right? Uh, <laughs> Welcome back to the On The Norm. In this episode, Norm sits down with his good friend Chris Meyer, who you may recognize from the credits of the Farley Brothers films, such as Fever Pitch, Me, Myself, and Irene, and Dumb and Dumber, along with many more. Norm and Chris talk about getting into the film industry and what it takes to do so. And then Chris tells stories about his career and his connection to the Farley Brothers, Tina Turner, Def Jam, and Adam Sandler. Enjoy. All right, what's up, everybody? Uh, so most of everybody here knows me, some don't. Uh, but for anybody uh, that doesn't, uh, I'm Norm Lavalette. Uh, I am the uh, owner and CEO of this place called Improv Asylum. Uh, so that's who I am, what I do. And so periodically, uh, what I like to do is I like to just avail, uh, avail myself just for any kind of question and answers, that kind of thing. For me, how I've always, look, it, it, some of you are students, some of you have been students, some of you are performers and stuff like that. And I know that for myself, when I was way back in the day, you know, maybe more in that the phase where I was learning stuff. Yes, you can always get, you know, you can get great improv classes here, stand-up classes. You can take acting lessons, all these other places. For me, though, I was always like, but, I, but can somebody tell me how? Like how? How do you do things? How do you start something? How do you start a business? How do you do that? And and I think that. That's, you can get this training, great training anywhere, or not anywhere, you can get it at a lot of places, but that was always a thing for me, and, and there, there was never an opportunity for that. And so I like to just uh, avail myself to any kind of questions like that, as, as I like to say, um, I will answer anything that you ask as long as I legally can answer it. <laughs> Some things I can't legally talk about. Uh, but, 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 Maybe I can. Yeah, and, and, exactly. <laughs> as long as I have plausible deniability. And, and, and so while I have a certain amount of, uh, of experience in history uh, in terms of the comedy and stuff like that, uh, you also need to keep hearing from me. That's boring as shit, right? And, and because I also know so many amazingly uh, talented, quite frankly, more accomplished, uh, just more skilled uh, people than I. And so I reached out to uh, my good friend, uh, Chris, Right? And, and so Chris, uh, I'll let him introduce himself, but I've known Chris uh, for, 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 you know, what, probably what, 12 years, 10 years, 15 years? I don't even know. Uh, yeah, maybe 20. I don't even know. It's, I, it's, it, when you're old, none of it matters anymore. Yeah. Uh, when you're young, it does. Um, that's why you wrote the book. That is why, because I can't remember shit anymore, so yeah. I have to put it down. Uh, and Chris, shit up. And Chris is amazing. Chris works, uh, he's worked for a very long time uh, in the film industry uh, specifically. So Chris, I would love, I would love it for, thank you for coming uh, yeah. over here, but I would love for you to you know, quickly share like your story of how the hell you went from, you know, uh, this, this dude from Quincy to, you know, producing uh, some of the seminal comedy movies of, you know, uh, of this century. Well, like you, when I was a young buck, uh, I had no clue what I wanted to do, right? And in the early 90s, the job market wasn't that good. I was going to go to law school. My whole family's, I'm from Boston. My whole family's firefighters and cops. Uh, I'm a little bit of an outlier in the group. But uh, I never thought, I never knew I thought or would want to get into the movie business. And I never even knew you could make a living at it, you know? And uh, since the job market sucked at that time, uh, I was loading trucks, 
put me through school and continued to do that while I was trying to figure out where I was and going And where would you go next. to school? Uh, Boston College. Gotcha. I went to the local school, BC High, and then Boston College, right out of the book. And, uh, um, you know, I was kind of floundering, trying to, you know, a little lost in my young buck days. I'd just broken up with my first girlfriend. You know, I don't have a job. You know, I don't know what I'm doing. But believe it or not, my mom is the one who said, you love, I used to take the tea to Kendall Square, Coolidge Corner. I used to go to the Harvard Silent Movie Festival. I used to go to, I'd go sit on a Saturday and watch four movies in a row. But I never thought, I just like watching movies. Never thought you could make a living at it. And uh, my mom said, why don't you, you look into the movie business? You love the movies. I'm like, how do you do that, mom? You know? And I said, uh, I, I don't, someone told me, you should call the Mass Film Office. So I called the Mass Film Office and I worked on a BU grad student film for eight weeks over the summer in Chelmsford, Mass for no money, right? And we had just graduated and I got home and my dad's like, you know, what do you think? I said, I love it. He said, you work hard, you get paid for it. You're losing money. I said, because I wasn't getting paid, right? And I'm commuting an hour and a half to, up to the Chelmsford every day. And, and uh, I, that Monday, after we wrapped, I got friendly with the gals in the camera department, and they said, Chris, we'd love to have you on board. You know, we're going to start a new gig in a week. I said, well, I, you know, I can't. My student loans are about to kick in. I can't keep working for free. And they said, no, for pay. And at that time, the World Cup qualifying yeah. rounds were coming in, and they were trying to promote the games. They were going to be at Gillette. And, uh, I had my car stolen uh, in Cleveland Circle uh, during, the, uh, during the World Cup, and they found it parked outside of a motel at, uh, at the time it was Foxborough Stadium. They stole my car and drove it down to the games. It sounds like it might have been a BC kid <laughs> just going for the ride, <laughs> needing a ride out to Gillette to see the rounds. And, and when I opened the trunk, uh, the car was there, it was fine. The only thing was when we opened the trunk, there was like a 10 to 15 pound bag of rice in there. That they forgot. Yeah, that's it. While they're, just, while they're tailgating. Yeah, just an aside. Just, <laughs> so continue, continue. Yeah. It just made me think of that. Yeah, so, so I ended up uh, doing that for about a year, and I knew at the time there was no tax credit. One movie a year would come. Yeah. And I said, you know what, I'm young enough. If I really want to you know, give it a shot, I need to move. And I call it the big move. You know, you move 3,000 miles from everything you know and love for an if, right? It's a big if. And I went out there with no money and no network, you know, throwing caution to the wind. And, uh, you know, I... I you know, struggled and floundered like most out there when they, when they first show up. And about five years in, I was just about to pack it in. What were you doing over those five years? What, what were the gigs oh. you were doing? I was PA, yeah. so I was trying to work on commercials, but I was also working at night at the local, local tavern. As a I started as a bouncer. I met everyone playing basketball, and uh, some guys I met initially there, I always wish I knew where they were. They're from Philly. Joe Herzog, wherever he is, I, I hope he's well. And... Uh, Chris, we should go up. I love music. And then a new blues club opened up. And I said, oh, we should go we'll Go to the blues club. And I'm, I'm, I have no money. I'm passing my resume around, which was, there was very little of at the time, in Santa Monica. And I was at a hot dog stand. And a guy, the guy, a guy at the hot dog stand, who's now my friend 30 years later, uh, and still a, 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 a he, he owns a bunch of not live music clubs and not really nightclubs, but, and uh, almost like a Harper's Ferry back in the day. And, uh, I said, hey, man, you work there? He said, yeah. I said, I desperately need a job. I'll do anything. And he said, you play hoop on the beach. I said, yeah. He said, I need a bouncer. I'm like, ooh. Oh, but okay, I needed the money. So I started bouncing, and then I worked my way into bartending and barback and all that while looking, trying to get into the film business, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, 
just coincidentally and serendipitously and as fate would have it, the Fairley brothers would come in there and they knew the guy that hired me. They weren't the Fairley brothers yet. Yeah, because what were, so uh, what, what were they doing at the time, right? What, was it? Pete, Peter was writing yep. and uh, Bobby, Bobby was an entrepreneur and he had multiple different, um, a couple different startups and inventions that he was working on. And um, they knew, they'd been, both had been there about 10 years and you know, they're making a living, but nothing crazy. And they knew if they, they needed to make a movie. They'd been there that time. Then they knew they needed to make a movie. And Dumb and Dumber at the time was called West of Here. Uh, they ran around for a couple of years trying to get it off the ground and luckily they persisted and stayed with it. And then Dumb and Dumber came out and you know, changed the world forever, their world. And then my world, you know, I went after, just after, not the second movie after that, I went on the ride with them. And they asked us. What was uh, the second movie? Uh, Kingpin. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then, uh, Kingpin. 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 Yeah. I and then I, I always jokingly say I was Malcolm Butler, you know, with, uh, I used to date myself and say with, you know, 1998, but now I'll say I'm Malcolm Butler, where I came out of nowhere, you know, Mississippi, Juco, and we won the Super Bowl of movies that year. So what were you doing? So what were you doing? So when you first started with uh, with uh, Peter and Bobby, what were you doing on that movie? Yeah, I was, I was their assistant. So I was an assistant to the directors, which was uh, at the time, it, it was very rare to have two two directors. At the, I think it was maybe the Coen brothers were the only other duo, and they were you know obviously family members. Now you and I can direct, right? Sure. And it's pretty common that you have dual male female. It doesn't matter, but back then it was pretty new and novel. Um, so I started as their assistant, which I tell a lot of kids they should start if they get, if they get a chance to start as a director's assistant or a producer's assistant or a writer's assistant, depending on what they want to do, because you touch every aspect of the film. If I only work in editorial, I only deal with editorial, but working for the, the director, I touch every aspect of filmmaking from day one, re, you know, right of the script to day one release of the movie. And you touch every, you talk to everybody from agents to studio execs to, uh, production designers, casting directors, everybody, anyone that touches the movie, you, you get involved with, which is nice because you, you learn quick. So how did you progress? How did you progress from, you know, working as uh, their, their assistant to, yeah. you know, the roles that you started to play in, in uh, or the, for Phil mm -hmm. in the later yeah. films, which are you know, pretty big deal roles. I mean, because yeah. you started moving to production and being a producer. Yeah. How, how, did, how did you walk that, that path? Well, I guess I, like anything, after you pass the test, if you would improve yourself and earn it, you know you get you get that little bump up, and then you keep going. Then you get a bump again. I went from there to associate producer. Couple movies in, co-producer to producer to partner, and uh, you know, along you, the way you get more and more responsibility. And you certainly it. make it sound like easy. Like no, that's yeah. how it works, everybody. <laughs> it's gonna ha it's gonna happen for you. Uh, oh, yeah. But but uh, no. but, I th but I think you know the, the difference in how and, and, and I can only speak to my experience, mm. either the things I've done or the people that I've worked with, which which is, you know, if you just kill the job that is given to you at the moment, mm. right? Mm -hmm. That gets you the next thing. So I have to assume that in your very first role, you must have killed it, and then you went on to the next one. And, and I know that I, you know, now I'm in a different role, so that I have a lot of people that maybe want jobs with me and stuff right. like that. And you know, they start in new casts, they start in new things. And, and I, I always try to tell them, like, if you just kill the job you're doing, yeah. I, I, I promise you, someone's gonna notice and go, 
oh, she's competent and does a good job. Mm. Give her the next one. And, and so often I see it go the other way, which is as soon as people get this job, they go, how do I get that job? You haven't even done this one. <laughs> well, what are you talking about, right? So, to so that, I have no, to No, that. to that point, I just saw an interview with Tom Brady. He, he went to the coaches and said, I have not thrown more than two passes every practice. I saw, I saw that. See, that I was saw incredible that, for two years. That. He never threw more than two balls in practice. And he went to one of the, not Belichick, but whoever the next This was coach. when he was at Michigan, actually. Oh, I thought it was when he was at the Patriots. No, it was when he was oh, at Michigan. Michigan. Yeah, because right. he was the backup quarterback. And so he was only getting two passes per, per practice. And, and so he went to one of the assistant yes. coaches and said, hey, how can I get better? I'm only throwing two passes. And he said, you throw the best two passes you can do as long as you can. Make those the best spirals and best two. And finally, he did. And he just kept throwing the two best. I mean, every day, one, two, that's it. For two years. And he's almost like Rudy. Sure, absolutely. A little like Rudy. So, so, what, did you, so what did you, what, what, did, what, did you th what do you think your skill, talent, the, the thing that, that I what, was your, yeah. what was your two no, passes? Yeah, you know? I, I jokingly say there is no no in the movie business. Sure. They say jump, you say how high, right? Within reason, right? Chew glass. Uh, you know, I did whatever. It, I was on call for 24 hours a day. I mean, I was, I'll never forget. We just had an interesting chat with my family and some of my cousins, and it's been an incredible run. But I remember we were in the North End years ago, and I got a call in the middle of dinner with my family. And I hadn't been home in a while. And I had, you need to go show the movie to Tina Turner in Zurich. Right now? Yes, there's a, there's a ticket for you already. You have to leave in 45 minutes. Okay. You know? So that's, you do, you just, you go above and beyond and people see that. And I'm gonna stay with Tina Turner in Zurich for a second. Uh, uh, yeah. So what? That's pretty, it's, yeah, I don't. I, we seem to be we seem to be jumping that. Am I jumping? Uh, yeah. We're, so well, so so you got on the plane and you so, flew to Zurich. So what was and, no, and you, so what, it, what did you, you sat with Tina Turner and you watched the movie. Well, so prior to the digital age, we would make you know we would have DVDs right and discs. At the at the time, I have a copy of the movie on me, which um, is a seventy five million dollar movie, right? And there's only three copies. I have one of them. So I have to, one of my jobs, and I, I love music and help the music a little bit throughout the movie stuff, I would go show it, like I remember I went to San Francisco. We, we, I, I cannot release that film. It has to physically be on me or within 15 feet of me. Because that's our life, and it's everybody's life that's in the movie and around it. So I would fly, like say, to San Francisco and, and meet with Cake, and I'd watch the movie with Cake. Mm -hmm. And then they would see if they want to be on the soundtrack or participate in the soundtrack, whether they want to write a song or we use another their song, they want to be the lead in the soundtrack. And then we would do that for, I don't know, you know like I said back, whether it's Tina Turner or you know, like a Shelby Lynn or um, Def Jam. Yeah. Def Jam was an interesting uh, one. Again, back to working hard, right? I flew from LA, I believe I had breakfast in LA. I had almost like a brunch in New York. I flew to the vineyard. I grabbed the movie, because that's where we've, we've edited our movies over the years, which is pretty cool, right? We're on Martha's Vineyard for the summer editing our movies. Then I fly back to New York, all, all within 12 hours, 
And then I sit to, to uh, we're going to screen the movie for Def Jam. And that, that was a very interesting day because they had me wait and wait and wait where I didn't want to wait any longer. I waited eight hours to see them. Then I got the call to go upstairs. And it was funny that day because the Yankees were playing the Red Sox. Meanwhile, keep in mind, I just flew from LA to New York to Vineyard, to the Martha's Vineyard, back to New York, all in the same time. And then I had to wait and I talked to my boss and he said, I said, I'm leaving. He said, you can't leave. I said, okay, I won't leave. But I sat there and sat there, right? So now I'm a little irritated. And uh, I get the call to go up to see all the, the big boys and girls. And uh, the door opens and there's a bunch of people there. But at that time, I had, a, I had a Red Sox visor on. I took it off when I walked in just to be respectful. Well, when they had me wait for eight hours to show them the movie, I walked in with the hat on, right? And the first guy that steps up says, and he didn't say it quite so poetically, but he said, Jason, you, you got a lot of balls coming in here with that hat on. And I said, really? There's, now, it's me, and then there's 20 people there, right? And some of the, the C-suite, who we all know, who ran that company, yes. that we were supposed to meet with. And uh, I said, well, you have a lot of fucking balls making me wait for fucking eight hours. And we all just started laughing. <laughs> and he looked at me and everyone, because he was one of the bosses, and I felt like I'm talking to him like that. Well, you know, he also made me, eight, you know, you just jerked me around for a while. Well, I mean, and again, that, that gets to the point where it We was, might not want to cut that, though, for this. Oh, uh, we can swear. We don't give yeah, a shit. No, okay. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. I don't, okay. I, I'm more worried about Def Jam. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, is it Shrig Knight that's... Uh, yeah, I don't know. No, no, he was, he was part of Bad Boy. That's right. Okay, yeah. yeah. I, I, yeah I'm, I'm, all, I'm, I'm cool with those guys. Okay, good, good. You'll be you know, dang, dangling over the balcony, right? Uh, well, but, but, but that, that is right. And once you get enough experience, once you do enough things, like, and I'm sure, you know, you went off a track a little bit. Sorry, there, No, no, that's, there's no plan here. Uh, but, but you get to that point where, like, at some point, you, you don't, when you don't give a shit and you show it, oddly enough, that becomes more attractive to everybody, right? And, and so, yeah. so there is a confidence that. So you, you did all, you know, you did amazing films, mm. but like anything, right? It's a nebulous and ethereal mm. and, and, and always yeah. moving business. And so, and so certainly, you know, the, the work that you were doing, the Fairley Brothers, at one point, they were the seminal, you know, mm. works, uh, uh, you know, in the early 2000s of, of comedy on film but the damn business keeps moving, mm -hmm. right? And uh, it's moved on for them. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, before we open up the Q&A, so where, where did your career go and what are you doing now from that time? And I know you still work with Bobby and yeah. Peter and stuff like that, but, but where, where, because at the end of so, the day, you yeah. still gonna do your own thing. Yeah, so, so we, we still work together, but we work independent of each other, right? In specific, pro different projects. But I, you know, just, it was very interesting. I, I produced the second movie ever on Netflix with Adam Sandler and Happy Madison. That was extremely interesting in that there's a great book called, called That'll Never Work that Mark Rudolph wrote, who is one of the founders with Reed Hastings of Netflix, right? Very interesting how it got started. Right? You should read that book. It's a good book. And because the first 30 people that he mentioned Netflix to, or his idea, mm -hmm. was That'll Never Work. Sure. Right? And, uh, at the time, they had just risked $100 million on House of Cards. And obviously, with that, it changed the world. And then they had Orange is the New Black, 
but they hadn't made a, an original movie yet. And, and Adam was in, uh, in negotiations and in, in discussions, from what I remember, on um, you know, whether to join Netflix's team or not, you know, which is really, really interesting at the time. Um, because it was it was not a surefire thing, and, and a lot of a lot of no, artists. No, where is like, he going to go? What if it doesn't work, right. right? And is he going to get ostracized by the rest of Hollywood? You know, you you you're throwing caution to the wind against the big boys, and you're taking a chance with the the new kid on the block, right? And and uh, luckily it worked, you know. Sure. And uh, so yeah, we continued. We didn't. We did the do over. We did Super Troopers. Um, we have uh, pretty excited about this one. Um, I'm an executive producer on an animated show that's going to come out in 2025 called uh, Pierre the Pigeon Hawk. And Pierre is half pigeon, half hawk, and he's getting bullied on both sides. So he ventures out into present-day New York City to try to find himself. And uh, you know the tagline's different is cool, but the cast is incredible. We so have can you can you reveal who some of the cast is? Because you told me some of it, but I don't know if that can. Yeah, um, Will I Am's in it. We have Jennifer Hudson, Jennifer Coolidge. Um, Luis Guzman, Whoopi Goldberg, Howie Mandel, Ashley Simpson. It's going to be fun. Some super name <laughs> drop right there. That, that's yeah. amazing. And, 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 and it is. And you know, know, knowing that your story, but it never changes, right? I mean, I, I don't know. I, I shouldn't say that. It, it, it doesn't feel like it changes for me, which is uh, on some level, yes, this company and those of us, and there's people that have known me when I you know, was there was no inkling that I would be this, doing this, if you think this is anything, right? But, but, but it, it also does, doesn't feel like for me that it changes in that the, the need to hustle. Uh, yeah. I, it's, I don't know if it's like I'm broken on the inside or something and I just have to do it now and I, I, it's a problem. But I always feel that because I feel like that's the key to whatever success that I've had. I don't know if you, if you feel the same yeah, way. Yeah, you always have that yearning that the next job's not coming. Yes. You know, in, in the entertainment space. So you're always hustling, like, I need that next gig. I need that next gig. Yeah. It's... And uh, so, yeah, it's been an, it's been an incredible um, run. We had another, we had a survival thriller come out on AMC and Shudder over the summer in July called Quicksand, which was written by a local guy. Um, um, so that's, you know, that's, that's where we're at. It's amazing. It's amazing.